You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. If you've got questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your own authority, you name it, we'll tackle it here on the air. All you have to do is pick up the phone and give me a call. We're going to get to those calls in a little bit. You know, the show is really all about helping you be a better you, whether it's in business, in life, your relationships, your health, whatever it might be. And a big part of that, something I talk about all the time, is getting things in writing. Call it what you want. Call it a plan. Call it a business plan. Call it goals, lists, whatever. But get things in writing. Get them out of your head and down on paper. And, and I've explained the reason why. If you don't, your mind can only work on so many things at a time. And what tends to happen is our mind just goes through this endless loop of, of stuff. And once we get that out of our head, get it on paper, then your mind is free to work on something new. So writing things down, getting them on paper is very powerful. And it's something we should be doing literally every day. So, you know, it, it, we call them goals. And, and when we get them in writing and we do them right, goal setting is very powerful. I, I want to give you an example of what is a, a really well-defined goal, and we'll see how well it works. And I'll, I'll keep everybody updated as we go, and certainly everybody who's coming to the CMC in May will know whether or not the process works or not. So I've talked in the past about, you know, the more specific you can make goals, the higher the odds that you'll achieve them. So we get really specific. We don't set goals like, I want to be healthier. What does that mean? And and healthier than you are right now. So if you just get a half a percent healthier, you've reached your goal. So just saying, I want to be healthier. I want more money. I want to be more successful. Those aren't good goals because we can't measure them. And if, if they're not written well, the results won't be as good. So a better goal would be to take the things that are important to you around health and put numbers to them and measure them. So the more specific you can make a goal. So let's say your goal was around money. And the first thing we have to do is figure out how are we going to measure this goal? What is it we're trying to achieve? And if you say, well, I want more money, more than what? More than you have right now? Does that mean if we give you a penny, you've reached your goal? see how that works. If you just say, I want more money and I hand you a penny, you've reached your goal and your mind knows that. And your mind will stop. Oh, I reached the goal. So you've got to get more spe- specific. For example, I want to earn 58 cents a mile net. And right now I'm only earning 50 cents a mile net. Now that does two things. It tells us where we are and it tells us where we want to be very specifically. And we could measure that. 
then we would put a time limit on it. Because if we just say we want to make 58 cents a mile, you probably will 10 years from now if you do nothing. So again, your mind will say, oh, well, he wanted to do this, but he didn't put a time on it. So we have all the time in the world. So specific, measurable, timely. So we could say, all right, we want to get our net profit up from 50 cents a mile to 58 cents a mile in the next six months. Now we could break it down and say, okay, that's eight cents a mile in six months. So we need to do 1.2 cents a mile a month. We need to increase. Now see how we can, as we get more specific and we're able to measure it, see how more powerful that becomes. Now, the next thing we need to do is check in on that goal a lot. So how often? What about every day? What about multiple times a day on some goals? Really just depends on the goal. Some goals, we, we have to wait a certain amount of time to be able to measure a change. So we might check in as often as we can measure a change. But the more often we look at the goal, the more often we think about the goal and, and look at where we started from, where the goal, where we're trying to get to, are we on the right track? Do we need to adjust? The more often we do that, the more powerful our goal setting will be and the sooner we'll get the things we want. So specific, measurable, timely, those are all part of SMART goals. Specific, measurable, those are all things we need to have in a goal to make them more powerful and more effective. So let me give you a great example of a goal that I've set recently and I'm working on. And I set it, uh, it's been about six weeks, a little, uh, no, maybe a month. Um, so my goal is, we'll, we'll show how this is all of those things that we just talked about. My goal is to be able to run a 5K in under 30 minutes at the CMC in May. So now we know everything we need to know about that goal. It's very specific, it's easily measurable, and it's timely. I know when I have to reach that goal. Now, the next thing I need to know is, okay, where am I starting from? I know where I'm going to, and I know how to measure it, and I know how long it's going to take me to get there. But where am I starting from? Well, I got to go out and run. I haven't run in years and I've never been much of a runner. Even when I, I am really active, I tend to spend more time in the gym. I tend to spend more time doing resistance training or swimming or walking, hiking, biking. But running is not one of my favorite activities. So I haven't done it in years and I've never really been very good at it. So I got started and the first day, all I could run was a quarter of a mile. That was it. I was exhausted and in pain after a quarter of a mile. Now that's kind of embarrassing, but you have to start somewhere. So rather than say, well, that's just too embarrassing. I don't even want to start. Just get started. Who cares where you are? And, and now I know today I can run a quarter of a mile and in five months from when I started, I need to be able to run 3.1 miles in under 30 minutes. Now, I tend to be somewhat of an overachiever sometimes, and I tend to get 
a little optimistic and aggressive. This is a pretty big goal. I mean, that that's a lot to accomplish in five months. It might even be too much, but we'll see. And here's the thing. So what if it's too much? So what if I fall short? Why is that a big deal? So what if I what if I get to the CMC and I can only run the 5K in 32 minutes? I don't make it under the 30 minute mark. Would that be a failure? Now, it, I, I fell a little short on a goal, but boy, I, I guarantee I'll accomplish so much more by setting the goal, measuring the goal, working towards the goal. Now, this is a goal that I absolutely am going to work on every day. And I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. I don't need to figure out exactly how to get there. That information is available everywhere. Just try it. Google, run a 5K in under 30 minutes. You'll get all kinds of training programs all laid out for you. Do this, this day, this, this day. So I found a 90-day training program that will work me up to a 5K in under 30 minutes. That's exactly what it's designed to do. Now, isn't that amazing? I have a goal and somebody already wrote the exact plan I need to reach that goal. You'd be surprised how many times that's the case if you just go look. So your job is just to write the goal. Don't worry about if you don't know how you're going to get there. I don't know anything about running other than I know how to run but I don't know anything about training. I don't know, should I be doing long distances? Should I be doing sprints? Should I be mixing things up? I don't know because I've never really worked at understanding, you know, the science of running, but somebody has lots of somebody has. There's tons of information out there. Now, lots of people who call me have a goal about becoming an owner operator. Guess what? There's an absolute plan already written for you. Step by step, everything you need to know to get you from zero, I know nothing about trucking, to I'm an owner-operator. The whole plan's already been written. So all you have to do is set the goal and then just get the, the material. We don't need to rewrite everything. We don't need to relearn everything. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. And many, many times people don't get started because they don't know how to do it. Don't worry about that. You'll learn. Set the goal. Get started. Now, I'll be able to measure this goal virtually every day. And I'll look at this goal every day. I'll read it every day. I'll work on it every day. And we'll see. Let's see if I make it or not. Stick around. We'll be right back with more stuff. We'll get to your calls right after this break. I'm Kevin Ruff.
All right, everybody, welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. And I'm going to get right to some phone calls to get started. Let's go to Kentucky. Stephanie, welcome to the program. A fair tax now, Kevin. Absolutely. What's on your mind today? I wonder if we could go over last year's profit gauges numbers. Uh, we're looking to improve, and we need to know how and where to do that and what areas. All right, let's take a look. So let's start at the top. Uh, tell me a little bit about your business model. Lease to a carrier, what's going on? We're leased to a carrier that works off strictly low boards. They don't have any contracts. They're a pretty small company, only three trucks. Um, okay. Run as a team, open deck, uh, step, deck, step deck freight, a little bit oversized now and again. Got it. All right, so... Um, how much do you have to give this company that you're running for? What percentage are they taking? 20, 20%. Wow. Wow. You know, for a, for a small company that's running off load boards, doesn't have their own freight. So what we know with that is because they don't have their own freight, they're not going out and selling their own freight. They're getting freight from brokers and load boards that somebody's already getting a percentage. Somebody's already getting a cut out of this, and then they're taking another 20%. So the first thing I can tell you, and I'm not going to tell you to switch carriers or switch your business model. I'm just going to say it's something you should consider. And th there's two ways I would look at this. There are tons of people out there who will let you use their authority for 10% instead of 20. And that's really all this company is doing for the most part. They're letting you use their authority. Um, or you could just go out and get your own. And, you know, do the load board thing yourself, and then you at least get 20% more. The, the broker still gets their cut. That's fine. But right now, we're giving a cut to a broker and a cut to this carrier. And that seems a little crazy to me. So just something to think about. Now, if you guys are absolutely dead set, you're happy, you love this place, but I don't see where they're doing much for you. And I think you could do this yourself or you could find somebody who would do the same thing for about half the price. So something to think about. You're at $1.74 all miles right now. And um, let me just go. I'm thinking that that step deck flatbed rates have been um, and I've pretty. And I believe all summer long because I get a report every week from DAT. Yeah, and that's what I was just going to look at, and you're exactly right. We're right around 2.30 a mile. Now, that that's spot market freight. I mean, that's the stuff that's coming off the load board. So what we know is the, the stuff you're getting is probably originating in that range, 2.30 a mile. The broker's mm -hmm. taking as much as they can get, which is just fine with me. That's their job. Uh, and then the company's taking another 20. Now, you could be out just moving that $2.30 a mile freight instead. Mm -hmm. So what else does the carrier do for you? It loads. They, you know, they keep track of our miles, you know, which I could do that myself. Um, right. That's pretty much it. I mean, they, they supply the cargo insurance, but I've checked into that myself, and it's like $300 more is all we'd have to uh have right. to pay on cargo because I have looked into our own authority, but I just don't. Yeah, it's a little bit um, uncharted territory. You know, it makes you kind of nervous going out and getting your own. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I understand that. We could do that. We're you know we could be wind up worse than what we are now, but. Yeah, and there's always that fear. But if we look at this logically and and with the numbers, see, that's the beauty of this. It's so much easier for me to help people when they come to me with the numbers. And and that's what you've got here. And it makes it, you know, so much more powerful to look at this and say, okay, what, how could we be doing this differently? And, you know, could we get that dollar 70 a mile up to say 210? You know, 220 are are all the way up to what we see as the average, which is about 230. And you might be able to. There's a a really good chance. And again, the way we can look at this is say, boy, you know, we're we're giving them 20 percent. They don't even have a sales force. They're not going out and finding freight. All all they have done is said, look, here's our authority. You can use it if you want. And like I I can find people all day long that'll do that for 10 percent. But I think the way you guys are running, I think you should strongly think about getting your own authority. Maybe you make it a six-month goal. Um, Have you listened to any of the shows like Kenny Long's on Trucking with Authority? I haven't listened to his. I've listened to Rico's, um, but I'm not on Facebook either. So I'd like to study the lanes and rates and everything. I found that I can't really do that without my own authority, but I'm not on Facebook to even get on those. But I've listened to Rico's show. Rico's is great. Um, Chad's is good. Excellent if you're going to be working with brokers. And But Kenny's, I think, is going to be the one that would be the most beneficial for you right now because Kenny focuses on the the how to get your authority and the mechanics of getting your authority and then running the business with your own authority. So he, he talks about all those things, getting the insurance and the compliance issues and what it takes to run the business. So I, I would highly encourage, and the beauty is that, you know, Kenny's done, I don't know, 15 shows or something already. They're all there. I mean, you can go back and listen to them all. So just go to letstruck.com. Um, you'll see Kenny's show right there on the homepage. Click on it. All the archives are there. Uh, just start listening to it. And you'll, I, I think you'll get more comfortable with this idea because you'll see it's really not that tough. And that would be a a quick way to get um, the revenue up. Now, this revenue isn't bad, not at all. Uh, And you could make money at this. But imagine if we can make money at $1.70, what will happen when you start making $2.15, you know, that kind of stuff. So just that's where I would I, I would sit down, you know, talk it over between the two of you, get it in writing, listen to the the podcast and just start thinking about that. So let's take a look at uh, cost here. Let's see your fixed costs are running 32 cents a mile. Not bad. Um, and and you're already paying a lot for insurance. You must be paying for the primary liability, right? Yeah, they charge it back to us, 125 a week for the cargo, and then our insurance for truck and trailer runs 480 a month. Yeah, see, here's another thing. I I know people honestly who are at at 10 percent. They won't even ask you to provide the cargo and liability. Mm-hmm. They'll cover that for you and and charge you 10 percent to use their authority. So, mm-hmm. just something to think about because you're you're already paying for insurance as though you had your own authority. All, like you said, all you're missing is the cargo and that doesn't cost much at all. Uh, 
So let's look at some variable costs here. Uh, fuel is at 52 cents a mile, not bad for open deck. There's some room for improvement there, but that's a good number. Uh, maintenance is running 16 cents a mile. What year is your truck? 14. Yeah, not much we're going to do there. I mean, we always look at it. We always, you know, can we, where is the cost coming from? Is it tires? Can we extend our tire life? Could we, you know, do we have an OPS? Are we extending drains? We would look at all those maintenance issues and see, can we get that? A lot of tire costs this year. We ended up having to buy four different steers because our steers don't wear very good. And it's just a, size were running mainly and uh, all eight trailer tires and I think we had to buy eight drives as well yeah uh, so those are the things we want to look at you know could we get the truck so that steer tires last longer we can um, you know and, and would that make sense probably because for a couple hundred bucks to get a really top-notch alignment make sure everything's in balance put in some counteract all that stuff you know, we probably could cut your tire cost way down by spending a little money up front. So that's something I would look at. You know, overall right now, great numbers, really. I mean, you guys are clearing 62 cents a mile. That that puts you well above the average. Uh, it's a great year. And we can see, you know, several places where you could do even better this year. Okay. Okay, well, so, thank you you're welcome. I would set a goal, you know, one of the ways that I do this, and this is kind of the way I teach it at the CMC is, is pick three areas in the business and improve them by 10% in the next six months. And that's a great goal. But if you do that, you've improved by 30%. That's huge. So that would mean getting, you know, if we wanted to improve your revenue by 10%, you're at $1.70 now, $1.74 we need to add 17 cents a mile. So roughly a dollar 92, 93. So you set a goal to get to a dollar 92 or 93. You know what? I, I would set that goal in three months. I think you guys could get that revenue up that quick. Then I would set 10% on fuel. It's that you're at 52. So got to drop five cents and we need to get to 47. You're at 16 on maintenance. You know, we need to get knock two cents off that. If you do that in three to six months, your net profit goes way up, and it's pretty simple. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothbard. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. I'm going to get right back to some phone calls. Let's go to North Dakota. John, welcome to the program. 
Hi, Kevin. I've been looking around on uh, truck papers, and I'm noticing a lot of decent-looking trucks up in Canada. And I'm just kind of wondering, what would the import tax be, or would you know a percentage or any information on that? Uh, what state are you going to register this vehicle in once you get it here? Minnesota. Okay. There are not any federal import taxes that I'm aware of. Now, that this gets really screwy, though, and I've only dealt with this one other time. I helped one of my clients once who bought a truck in Canada and brought it down. We didn't, and he bought a brand new. Told this story the other day. Not only did he not pay any import tax, no sales tax, because he was in a state that allowed him to register it with no sales tax, but he didn't even pay um, the uh, excise tax. Like you would pay the eleven percent you pay on a new truck here in the states. They don't have that in Canada, and okay. because he bought it there. He never paid it when he brought it down here. Um, he got a killer deal on a brand new truck. And when, when it was all said and done, he saved a tremendous amount. It was at the time when the dollar was really strong. So there was a lot of advantages to him doing it. But what, what I would do is I would start with Minnesota and go okay. to the light bureau and say, here's my plan. I'm buying a truck um, used in Canada what am I going to need to get this thing registered? Then I guess I would check maybe with the border to find out what kind of paperwork you need to get it across. And I would also check with insurance companies, your insurance company, and make sure, um, you know, can they send a binder up to Canada? Just those are the issues I think I would check on uh, before I made a decision to buy one up there. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to North Carolina. Wesley, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How's it going today? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, I had an oil sample there for you. I was going to let you look at my numbers, and then I have one more question about a gear ratio. See what you thought about it. The setup right. I was looking at. All right. So let's start with the oil sample. Um Okay, this is a really good-looking sample. What year is this truck? Did it just have an engine? Yep. Uh, well, I think it's 75,000 yeah, 75, miles at the time of that sample on the end frame. Okay, and you've been changing the oil or not changing the oil? Uh, I changed the braking oil, but uh, there's 50,000 50, on that oil. Okay. So one of the things you want to be careful of when you fill out the paperwork, I see the unit time is correct at 75,000, but the lube time is only showing 25. So you want to make sure you get the, the right time on the oil. Um, so oh, okay. I, I reckon I was thinking in between what I yeah. would call lube, like greasing the truck, changing the filters yeah. kind of thing. But. Now, what they're looking okay. for under lube time is how much time is on the oil that's in the truck. So you would only reset that number when you actually drain all the right. oil out and change it again. Okay. Right. So, so there's 50,000 on that then. Was this, um, was this possibly a, a micro blue in frame? Yep. Yep. Uh, I, it, it is amazing to me nine times out of 10, I can pick out a micro blue in frame just from the oil sample. They're so clean. It, it really now, amazed me how clean my, the first samples are. My, 
my first sample though the uh what is it there to show in the copper i believe is what shot up uh yeah now and i was going to get I did the airframe I, I didn't do the uh oil cooler or nothing like that or oil pump right, or anything right. it was just a standard yeah so kit. and i was going to get to the copper because everything else looks amazing i mean it Wear metals are extremely low. There's no fuel dilution, no soot. Viscosity is perfect. The base number looks like you just poured it out of the bottle. I mean, this is a really, really clean sample. So the in-frame was done really well. Um, the overhead was set nice on the in-frame, and it's holding at 75,000 miles. Uh, just a great job. Yeah, just redone that, by the way. Oh, okay. Just great run overhead. Um uh well a couple of weeks ago now it's been since that sample if i remember correctly it was right i'm trying to remember if it was right before or after it was around that same time frame anyway uh yeah. overhead because cat kind of wants you to do it fifty thousand on a new uh, yeah and that's a good idea i think what we found though was they said it really well the first time and it held well because i mean everything in here is really clean so the copper okay. is the only thing and the copper is way way elevated i mean it is so high when that happens and and if you look at the lead it was zero there's really right. two places we see copper come from bearings which is bad but we have to get through the lead to get to the copper on the bearing and that clearly didn't right. happen so the only other place really is an oil cooler and it tends to leach out of the oil cooler and it's kind of bizarre Sometimes we'll get a big, big spike when an oil cooler is new, where a truck is new, and sometimes we won't. Other times, well, that's the other time. Other time, it'll go years and no copper whatsoever, and all of a sudden, the copper will just spike like crazy, and it, it still just is just leaching out of the cooler for some reason. And why it decides to start then, I don't know. But we're not so seeing... No sign, so it's no sign to... Maybe just go on and replace the old cooler for the hell of it? No, I wouldn't because there's zero potassium and four parts of sodium, which is ridiculously low, meaning there is no trace of coolant anywhere in this oil. So the oil right. cooler isn't leaking and, it, and there's nothing wrong with it. It just, for whatever reason, they decide to leach copper once in a while. Right. Now, is that copper... I mean, I, I know it's in there. It don't really hurt nothing, though. It's nope. self, you know, doesn't, if I remember right. doesn't hurt anything at all. Now, it could stay that elevated forever, and it's not going to hurt anything. Okay. All right. That was the main reason why I want you to look at it, because, you know, I called you on the first one, and everything looked real good. I was just going to keep comparing to that sample and seeing anything crazy. I was going to call you, you know. And, right. Uh, now, and there it is. You know, the very first one, that copper shot up kind of worried me a little bit. But the, no, this um, is great engine yeah. here, just doing what you're doing. Okay. Now, the gear ratio on the truck, before I forget about it, uh, looking at a truck as a single axle, thinking, and it looks like to me it's got enough room to add an axle for what I'm doing for my operation. I, it's the kingpin set forward on my trailer, on the, this style trailer hopper bottoms anyway, so you can't, you can't never get the trailer yeah. that close to your cab. Right. So, uh, I was looking at this single axle Freightliner FLD, but it's got a eleven. What was it? Eleven point one liter Detroit. Yep. Um, and it's got a uh, four tens or the gear ratio with a nine speed. 
But I think all nine speeds can be converted to a 13, right? I don't know if all can or not. There are definitely nine speed convertibles, but there are also nine speed transmissions that can't be converted. Well, they can, okay. but it gets much more expensive. You've actually got to right. go in and screwing around with gears and you get into the thousands, but the true right. convertibles can be converted for a couple hundred usually. So your best bet is, yeah, your best bet is to check the model number, check with the Eaton, see if it's convertible or not. Now those gears don't surprise me. They were matching the, the lower gears to that smaller block uh, to kind of make up for the block size. Now the 11 one is my favorite engine of all time. I, I love that engine. Um, well, it, it's, well, what do you, what do you think about 55, 56 or so mile an hour with that gear ratio? Um, you know, I think you would, I think you would see amazing fuel economy. If you could hold it at 55, I think you would see amazing fuel economy out of that engine. See the 11 one. I, I used to run that engine up to about 1500 and even run it at 1550 sometimes. Um, and, and it does excellent there. Good throttle response, fuel economy is good. It, it's virtually identical to a 12.7 with a shorter stroke. So it does run at a higher RPM. Uh, so your 410 gears at 55 might actually work. Right. Yeah, I was wondering because, I mean, it's got 22s. They didn't specify if it was a low pro or lit Mars, but uh, I mean, at 55 to or roughly somewhere in that neighborhood, what do you about fifteen, sixteen hundred at the most, probably. Yeah, you'll be right around fifteen fifty or so, fifteen twenty-five, and I think on that truck yeah. you'll be very happy with that. Okay, and um, one more thing is the um the my numbers on my profit. Yep, um, let's. Profit uh, I'm going to get to a break, and when we come back, we will rip through those numbers and see what we've got going on. Stick around; we'll be right back. With Kevin Ruff. All right, everybody, real quick, just a heads up. We've got lots of questions on the board, but uh, we're heading into the fourth segment, which means at the end, I'll say I'm done. I've got to get out of here, all that stuff, but just hang out because we're going to come back and do another hour. Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The number to join us, 8888 Road Dog. The website, letstruck.com. We, uh, I'm going to get right back to the phone calls. I'm going to go to North Carolina. Wesley, still with me? Yes, sir. All right. Let's, uh, let's go over some numbers here. So let's start at the top. 
$1.84 a mile, all miles. Tell me a little bit about your operation. Well, as you can tell, if you look on the month by month or quarter or whatever, it, it changed in the middle of the year. But uh, it's mainly short haul, maybe uh, the longest haul I do, and it's very, very, uh, you know, sporadic when I might do it would be like a three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour one-way trip. But okay. most of it's hour, one-way, uh, two hours, maybe one-way. Uh, okay. So it's kind of local. I, I mean, it really is local, but yeah. sometimes I get on the interstate, stretch my legs for a few hours. But uh, that's okay. why I've been struggling with my fuel mileage a little bit versus what I was able yeah, to do the road. Yeah, and that makes a difference. There's no question. You get down in the city and do local work, and I've done a bunch of local work, and it, and it's really tough. Um, uh, two right. places to focus on when you do local work. Um, one is rolling resistance. It it is far it. more important in a local operation because anytime our speed is under say 50 miles an hour or so, rolling resistance is actually the number one factor in fuel economy. It isn't until we get past 50 that aerodynamics become more important. So you spend a lot of time under that speed limit. So you want to focus more on rolling resistance. And the other thing is your driving habits. Do you have a scan gauge? Yeah, I'm having an issue with that right this second. It's not scan gauge fault. It's uh, something going on with my fuse box. And that was, uh, well, I wouldn't even plan on talking about that, but it's, I don't know. It's weird. There's a ECM power um, fuse in the fuse box, and my fuses are like little breakers. They'll just flip, right. and hit the breaker, and it goes back to working. Well, this one, for some reason, I went to change my speedometer when I bought tires. They couldn't get no power from the ECM or nothing. They're like, something's wrong. Can't get no power. And this was a cat shop, so you know they weren't going to do look anywhere on an international for anything. It's their ECM right. shop only, but. So yeah. I, I went in the fuse box and I found it, and that fixed the problem. Well, now take that fuse and just ease it in and out, and I can make the scan gauge come back on. I can get that power from the ECM port, but I can't make it stay on. So I got to figure out that problem. But I but I had the scan gauge for about a half a month, and then that happened. So now it's just sitting there because all. So it pisses me off. Have really, you but. just have you just repli- tried replacing that breaker? No. Well, yeah, I had another one. And uh, I stuck it in there, same thing. Um, okay, I mean, because you know, I, breakers, they, they do get weak over time, especially one of the things I've found is that if you have an electrical problem, like a loose wire somewhere in that circuit, that right. you know, the loose wire can trip that breaker. And if you trip well, that breaker enough times, it, it will just get weak and it will start tripping right. even with just a little bit of voltage change. Well, here's another weird thing about it that kind of tells me it's not the breaker anyway. If you pull that fuse or the breaker out, the truck will cut off. It will not run. So you plug okay. it in, the truck will run, but the daggone power for the ECM port won't work. So it's something going on in that fuse box and that block, I believe. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure exactly. Okay. I've been planning on getting to the international to get that checked out. But um, Yeah, because... Those are the two areas that you really want to focus on for fuel economy when you're in a local operation, rolling resistance and driving. I mean, right. I, I spent, you know, a couple weeks with the scan gauge doing nothing but going through the gears over and over and over and playing around, you know, this much throttle, right. this RPM. And, and I was able, when I first started doing it, 
running through the gears. I mean, I was down in the two range most of the time. And I, I literally increased that by about two and a half times. I got to the point where I could run through the gears and never have it drop below four. Right. And that and that's what I was noticing with it too. I was learning little things where I was doing what I thought I was doing good, keeping RPMs low, trying to maintain say forty eight or fifty in a forty five zone and I was in tenth gear and I found out that I was better off in ninth gear yeah. doing the same yeah. thing, even though the RPMs were higher, I could keep the fuel mileage up. Uh, yes. but now the tires I've got that problem solved. Um I don't good. Know look at my fuel gauges, but I've got brand new uh, trailer here with a RM uh, Ecopia's uh, RM, what is that, 157? Uh, yeah. It's like a 70-something, and then I bought the Toyos for my drive, and it's a trailer tire I talked to you about running. Oh, yeah. So far, Excellent. so good with it. I got the Toyo M157s. So, yeah. um, All right, so uh, revenue is good. Uh, your fixed costs are pretty low. That's nice. You've only got 19 cents a mile in fixed cost. Um your variable cost, I almost came out of my chair when I looked at the total. I'm like, what is going on? So your fuel is at 60. We know you're, we're already talking about that. We're working on that. The maintenance, what happened? What have you done to this truck this year or last well, let's year? See. I in-framed it. There's a okay. good $17,000 you could take off of it. Got um, it. Okay. And, there, and then I bought brand new wheels when I bought those tires in December. I went to spending some money in December, if you look at it. Specifically, you'll see that I didn't. I think I brought home like six percent. Uh, Got it. Okay. From what so I made, and, uh, I mean, and I just it, done that for tax purposes, you know. Yeah, on this report, you're showing fifty-two cents a mile for maintenance, but we understand why now, and we can count on that in, in this operation with truck and trailer probably coming down to about eleven or twelve with the truck you've got, which would be huge. We we would knock you know, 40 cents a mile off this. And right now, even with that outrageous maintenance expense, you're still at 43 cents a mile. So, right. I mean, yeah. what that tells us is once your maintenance settles down and it will, that you're going to be at 80 plus cents a mile, which is just absolutely. Oh, yeah. outstanding. Well, if you look at January right quick, I've already plugged that in. I was kind of amazed especially when you look at what I paid in insurance for January. I paid off my, my right. insurance in full, so I don't have no more insurance until it's time to renew in August. But um, I think, if I'm trying to remember, I think it was a dollar sixteen a mile I brought home uh, for January. Yeah. After paying $2,500 in insurance, which is normally a $500 bill. Yeah, that is outstanding. And this is exactly why we do the numbers, because it, it's – it's amazing how much you can accomplish. So keep doing what you're doing. This is exactly the way to make money in trucking. It really is. Track the numbers, work on the numbers, and we can see the results. I love it. Let's go to Ohio. Dave, welcome to the program. Hello. I um, got a question about how to check out a company. Um, I work for a small company now, and I, I'm paid $17 an hour. And last year I made forty-four thousand with overtime, but I'm looking to change companies because I definitely need more money. And the guy that I'm looking at has ten trucks. Anything I can find on the internet about him is a safety rating, which you know uh, seems to be fairly well. Says he's got a low credit risk, but I can't find nothing else. To whether I should. 
Okay, so or not. Have you talked to them at all yet? Yeah, I've been talking to them on and off here for the last couple weeks. Okay. Tell uh, me a little bit about their operation. Do they have a central location somewhere, a physical location, or they dispatching uh, a home office? Well, he's got 10 trucks, all nice equipment. Um, He runs it out of his house, punched it up on Google Maps. He's got a pretty nice house. Um, Trucks are all pretty decent shape. Um, Okay. Does he do the dispatch? It's uh, pretty much a set thing with uh, Giant Eagle Groceries. They run out of York, PA to Cleveland and Toledo, and then, excuse me, turn around, come right back down to York, PA. It's a constant round that they have. I'm I'm going to make a suggestion. I'm going to make a suggestion, and most people will probably think I'm insane. You might think I'm insane. Um, but I, I've got pretty strong feelings about this kind of stuff. So I, I don't want to rush this. I'm going to take us into, oh, you know what? I kind of have to rush this. We're at the end of the show. So Dave, here's what I would recommend. Um, and I don't know whether you're up for this or not. Can, could you afford, uh, three to five days of not getting paid? Oh yeah. If it were me, I would ask the guy, Hey, look, I, I want to come down and spend a week with your company. I, I want to spend a day or two with you at the house. Just, just you tell me about the operation. Show me everything you're willing to show me. Let me watch what you do. If that only takes a half day because there isn't much going on. Um, if you would, I'd like to go out with you. If you go out to your customers on sales calls or to go visit them, I'd love to go with you if you can arrange that. And I'd like to ride with one of your drivers for a day or two or two or three of your drivers, one each day for a couple of days. And, and you don't yeah, have to pay. I just want to come down and see what you will learn more about that operation in those three or four or five days than you will ever learn any other way. And it doesn't really cost you anything but some time. Volunteer to do it. I, I can't imagine if, if an employee ever did that, I would never turn them down. I, I would welcome them to come do that. That's what I would I would recommend you do. Thanks for joining me. I'm all out of time. We'll see you back here next time. Be safe, be profitable, do the hard work, and master the journey. Good night, everyone. I'm Kevin Robinson. All right, everybody, we're going to get started on a second hour. We've got lots of questions in the queue, so here we go. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show, well, it's all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and we answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, you name it, we'll tackle it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and give us a call. The, the show is really all about becoming a better you. 
whether you want to get better in business, in your relationships, with your health and your fitness, we talk a lot about just improving. You know, I, I love the phrase, can I, C-A-N-I, constant and never-ending improvement. Um, I think that's an Anthony Robbins thing that I learned years and years ago. But that that's really what this show is all about. How do we just keep getting a little tiny bit better all the time in all the areas of our life that are important to us? You know, not not everything is important to everybody. You decide what's important in your life. The, the difference is, you know, about 95% of the population lives their life reacting to whatever happens to them at the moment. And 5% of the population designs their life the way they want it. And you would be amazed at how tiny the difference is. It is such a small shift to, to designing your own life or reacting and letting the world design your life. And, and 95% of the people, that's why most people aren't very happy why most people aren't very successful. It's why most people end up retiring totally dependent on the government or they have to keep working when they don't really want to. Nothing wrong with continuing to work. I, I can't imagine retirement the way we think of it, but I want to I know that I could retire if I wanted to. Uh, I probably never will, but most people, it's the opposite. They want to retire and they can't because they just haven't saved the money. So that's what this show is really all about, constant and never-ending improvement. And we talk about that topic in a lot of different areas and about your, um, your business, your relationships, your health, your money, all of those areas. We, we just need to make tiny little changes every day. Now, one of the ways we can do that is by making sure we spend time with people who will hold us accountable and with people who have the same goals in mind. You know, if you are trying to get a little better at everything you do and you're hanging out with, you know, the 95%, and the odds are you are hanging out with the 95% because right now you're probably part of the 95%, it's very difficult to rise above that crowd. It, it's very hard. It, and sometimes you have to make the tough decision. You've got to start spending time with different people. And some people say, oh, no, I couldn't do that. It's my friends. It's my family. You know what? You don't have to disown them. You just have to manage how much time you spend with them and how much you let them influence you. Because I'll tell you, I've watched it many, many times. The first time somebody starts to show improvement, everybody else will try to drag them back down because it makes them uncomfortable. They're not improving. They don't want you to. And you've got to get away from those kind of people. Again, you don't have to cut them out of your life. You just have to manage how much you let them influence you. And you've got to start spending time with who think the same way. And one of the ways that we're talking about helping with this, and I, I brought this up over the weekend and I, I threw out some ideas and I'm working on this, is through what we're going to call mastermind groups of 10 people in each group. And 
I'm going to start one and I'll lead it, but I'm also looking for other people to lead mastermind groups of 10 people as well. And I'll just give you a quick rundown of what mine is going to look like because I've already started planning mine. And then I'll tell you how, you know, other groups could be different. So on mine, I want to focus on some higher level business strategies. For example, most owner operators don't spend much time or don't know a whole lot about sales and marketing because you don't have to. I mean, a lot of owner operators, even with their own authority, just go hit the load boards, work with a couple brokers and, and they're good. You don't have to have any marketing. You don't have to have any sales. But that's how we get to the next level, though. We learn about sales and marketing, and we go out and we get our own customers. So I want to help people at that level. I want to work on sales and marketing and customer relationships. And because of that, I'm going to have clear criteria for the people I'll accept into my group. They have to have their own authority, and they have to be either have their own customers or be interested in going and getting their own customers. And we will work on uh, numbers, but we'll, we'll focus on marketing and sales. So I want people in the group that are at that level are ready to go to that level. I'm also going to charge money to be a part of the group, but we're not going to take any profit out of this. Um, myself or the company, we're, we're going to charge, and I'll tell you the numbers, we're going to charge $500 for six months of the group. We're going to meet an hour every week. We're probably going to use something like Google Hangouts and do actual video conferences an hour a week. We're going to hold each other accountable. We're going to uh, solve problems and brainstorm. If somebody has an issue, we're going to solve problems. We're going to share our successes. And we're also going to be, every week we'll be working on a book until we work through it. So that's kind of the agenda. And there'll be criteria. If you miss too many meetings, you're going to be out. You won't get your money back. It will bring somebody new into the group. And the way I want to run the money is that we'll all pitch in. We'll put the money in a pool. It'll be all transparent so everybody can see it. We can use that money for expenses for the group. For example, I have a piece of software that I want everybody to use to keep track of things in, in this group. Person, it's going to cost $68 a year. So of the 500, we put it all in the pool. We pay for everybody's software. When the, when the group is finished, oh, and, and there, you could also be penalized in my group for missing a meeting, for not um, hitting one of your targets or your criteria. We're going to set up a, a monetary penalty that you have to pay in when you miss the mark somehow. And I'll have that all spelled out. Then in six months, when we say, okay, this group right now is done, we may continue on, but we're going to stop right now. We're going to take the money and we're going to do something good in the trucking industry. Maybe we'll give it to a trucking charity. Maybe we'll sponsor some people to go to the CMC. Uh, who knows? We could come up with all kinds of things. And, and then we could start the group over again. And some people might say, well, that was fun, but I don't want to do it again. We'll, we'll get a new group. So that's how I plan on running mine. And again, we're not going to make any money off this. We're going to give all the money that we generate back to the industry in, in some form or another. Now, what I'm also looking for is other people to step up and lead a group. And I think the group should have a theme. Now, you don't have to have a ton of experience for this. I mean, I have a, a 
couple that is going to run a group and they've, they've only been in the industry a very short time, but they chose a great theme and a great group. They want to help drivers through their first year in the trucking industry. They just went through it not that long ago. They paid attention to it. They learned a lot. Not everybody does, but they did. And now they're going to run a group and help new people coming into the industry for their first year. I love that idea. So I am looking for people to step up and lead groups. Now, again, I think they should have a theme. Maybe you all work for the same carrier. Maybe you get 10 people together that all work for the same carrier. You form a mastermind group. Maybe it's 10 people in the same segment. Maybe you all pull tankers. Maybe it's 10 people who are leased to a carrier, but they want to go get their own authority. So maybe it's 10 people who are in trucking and they their focus is going to be health and fitness. Maybe they're all runners or walkers or bikers. So start thinking about the possibilities. But these 10-person these mastermind groups could be a huge benefit to all of us that participate. And we can generate some money, have some fun, and give back to the industry. So we are busy working on that. I will um, have an application process up soon. But in the meantime, um, send me a message on Facebook. Or better yet, if you want to make sure I get it, send me a message at, and I'll give you a second to grab a pen because I'm going to give you an email address. Send it to support at letstruck.com and just tell them you want it to get to me. And I'll look those over and I'll stay in touch with you. And uh, if you're willing to step up and be a part of a group or step up and lead a group, let me know. We'll be right back and we'll get to your calls and questions. Don't go away. I'm Kevin Rouse. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. Hey, I just happened to look up on Facebook and I see Jason is sitting out at Pittsburgh Power in the driver's lounge. And it looks like uh, he's got some friends with him, Christian and Russell, and they're hanging out at Pittsburgh Power listening to the show. So, hey, guys, uh, wish I could be there with you. It's always fun to go to Pittsburgh Power. I need to get there here soon and hang out and spend some time there myself. Let's get to some phone calls. Let's go to uh, Texas. Scott, welcome to the program. Yes, Kevin, how are you doing today? Good. What can I help you with? Well, my speedometer problem just finally got so perplexing. We took out the speedometer head, put in a new sender, 
and a whole new speedometer head. Now I've got to redo my fuel gauges for a speedometer that's starting out at zero. Any suggestions? Yeah, there is a uh, a reset so that you don't lose any of your history, but we're able to restart with the odometer. And rather than try to walk you through that on the air, what I'm going to do is put you in touch with Brittany. She does all our training on fuel gauges, profit gauges, all that stuff. And she will walk you right through it and make sure we get you done right. Okay. I would really appreciate that. So we will, yeah. uh, we'll get you over there and we will get you all taken care of. So I'm glad you got your speedometer problem fixed. Now we'll get you set up on fuel gauges. So you don't lose any of your history. We could just start from where you are. Let's go to South Dakota. Rick, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Uh, hey, I've got a uh, 09 Cascadia with a DD-15, and I'm having problems with the cruise control. I'll set the cruise control, and here lately I've been having to run 65, so I set it on 65, and it'll I'll be going along, and it'll, it'll, it'll slow down to like 62, and then all of a sudden it really kicks in hard, and it runs it up to like 68. And then it'll come back down to 65 and sit there for a little while. Then it'll do it again. Is it, is it like a speed sensor that's going out or, or what? That's my first thought is the speed sensor on the transmission, on the back of the transmission, as it wears, um, it, it starts sending more intermittent signals. And, and that tends to cause what you're talking about. So, there are a couple other things that could do it. It could be an ECM issue, but I would probably start with that, uh, the, the sender back on the transmission. Okay. Is that easy to get to? Uh, in most trucks, it's not too bad. Okay. All right. That's, that's the main thing that I have because uh, it's driving me crazy. It just started yesterday. I didn't know if maybe the cold weather had, would affect it doing that because it, it's been like, you know, 15 degrees you know it shouldn't um but again there are you know we could have a voltage drop at the ecm we could have a bad ground somewhere anytime we've got these weird intermittent electrical issues these are always the toughest to track down um you know if, if something was working and it stops working then we can work on it till it starts working again and we know we've got it fixed but when something is so intermittent, you try something and you have to wait and wait and wait to see if it still acts up or not. So th these are always the toughest. And, and what we you know, there's a couple ways to do it. I mean, if you have the level of sophistication that Pittsburgh Power has been developing around the ECM and the electronics, they can actually troubleshoot and test voltages and all kinds of things instead of just starting to throw parts at it. Um, but if we don't have that, we can look at it logically, look at a speed sensor and say, well, you know what? It's not all that expensive. Let me throw one on because it seems like that's the problem that right. that's another way. And, and you know, if the parts are relatively inexpensive, I don't mind doing that a little bit because sometimes that can be cheaper than just the time it would take to troubleshoot everything. Not so, like that, but you know, it's so old, it probably needs it anyway. 
Exactly. So if it's an older truck, high mileage and, and replacing parts isn't a bad thing. It just buys us more time over the life of the truck anyway. So I think I might try that speed sensor first. And if that didn't work, then I might start, you know, checking voltages and digging into grounds and things like that. Okay. Hey, on the last show, Wesley from North Carolina, is uh, yeah. uh, scan gauge wasn't working. He might want to pull that plug where he plugs it in the, the connection there out and check the back of it because a lot of times they get corroded up. Yeah, that's a good point. The uh, Freightliners especially have that problem here. So thanks for that. Good heads up. Let's go to Virginia. Stephen, welcome to the program. How you doing today, sir? Good. How are you? All right. I'm, uh, I got a couple questions on the profit gauges for uh, last month. Sure. And uh, what I'm wondering is I got I, my, my fuel line and the variable costs. It doesn't match up with the, with the number that was in, the, in, the, in my fuel gauges. It was off okay. by the fourth I'm a little bit yep. I'm confused. Well, let me clear up the confusion. You know, I, I like confusion, by the way. Um, if you've ever read any of Anthony Robbins stuff or been to any of his seminars, he does a whole thing where he talks about, you know, confusion is such a great place to be because right after confusion, if we work at it, comes clarity. You know, if we're confused about something, it means we're probably about to learn something, which is a good thing. So here's what happens. The we we have to make sure we get the time periods matched exactly. And that that's pretty tough, actually, when you look at the system, because fuel gauges is keeping a constant 30 day average. So if we look at the date today, it's February 4th. So fuel gauges is going to calculate from February 4th backwards 30 days. So it's going to be looking at a period of something like January 5th to February 4th. When you pull a profit gauges report, you're pulling January itself. So you pull January 1st to January 31st. That's why when we look at a profit gauges report and then we go look at our 30 day average, why they're different, because we're looking at different time frames. Does that make sense? Well, a little bit. It does. I mean, I'll get it figured out over time. I mean, this is the, yeah. this is the first month that I did actually did profit gauges in all these years. And it's actually amazing. And then my other question is my net income. My net income is different from my taxable income when I do when I looked at that yep. tax report. Now, here's what I love. Here's what I love about this. This is your first month using the program. And I can tell you have you have digged deep down in there and you're you're trying to understand it, which I love. Uh, the fact that you figured both of those things out in the first month tells me you're really paying attention and looking at the numbers. Um, here's why those are different. When we do a profit uh, or a business report, which is what I'm going to review with you right now. When, when we designed the program, I wanted the business report to reflect what happens in the real world. And there are two areas where the taxes aren't really reflecting what happens in the real world. And those two areas are depreciation because on taxes, the IRS tells us how much we can deduct each year. But in the business report, what I want to look at is how much the truck is actually costing us went to, to own 
So those are two very different numbers, and it's just because of the IRS. That's their rule. Um, the other area is per diem. Per diem isn't a real number. You're not taking $59 a day out of your pocket every day to eat, but that's what the IRS says we get to deduct. So on the business report, we don't show per diem anywhere because it's not a real expense. But on the tax report, we get to take $59 a day off of our profit before we pay tax. So that's why there's two different numbers. And that's why we set up the, the different reports so that we can look at things differently. If you want to go in and see, you know, what's my taxable income so we can keep an eye on how much tax we might owe, then we go to the tax report. If we want to see how we're doing and, and what ways we can improve the business, then we go look at the business report. Okay. <laughs> so, I, it, and it takes time, but it, but again, I'm confident you're going to get this because you're looking at the numbers and you're trying to learn. So you'll get this really. It'll come. I think you're doing amazing for your first month and I'm looking at your numbers here and you did a great job putting them in the program. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, oh, go ahead. Yeah. It, the one thing we have to do with you because you are a household mover, your numbers are way, way different than everybody else in the industry. Um, yeah. You know, we, we've had two people on so far today that the last couple of days where we reviewed their numbers, we talk about, you know, revenue being in the dollar eighty, two dollars a mile range being good. I open yours up and you do $7 and 13 cents a mile. That's pretty amazing. That's a very different operation. Um, you make a dollar 86 a mile, even though the truck isn't moving. You make a dollar eighty-six a mile to load and unload the packet. Right. Yeah. So the, your numbers are different, but the beauty of the report is doesn't matter what kind of business or what kind of operation. The numbers tell us what we need to know. So I'm going to get to a break, and I'm going to come back to you, and we will go over these numbers. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Roth. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The number to join us. Well, you know what? The website is letstruck.com. I'm going to get right back to the phone calls. Uh, I was talking with Stephen in Virginia. Stephen, you still with me? Yes, sir. All right. Let me ask you a question. How long have you been doing household goods? Uh, this may be my 25th year. 25 years. Are you still learning a few things? I learn every day. Isn't that amazing? After 25 years of doing something, we still learn something every day. And the reason I bring that up is because you can see that even after 25 years, you're still getting better at what you do. And you just started a brand new skill. 
You just started using gauges and tracking your numbers, and you're, I can hear it in your voice. You're a little frustrated. because yes. you, 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 But here's the thing. This is going to be a learning process just like what you do now. I started tracking my numbers with my truck about 25 years ago. Um, and guess what? I still learn better ways of doing it every day. So I don't want you to get frustrated because you're doing a great job right now and you will continue to learn over time. Now, there's something I want you to do a little different than what I tell most people. Most people, we focus on that cost per mile number because it, it's a good way of comparing in the industry. But we can't do that with you. Your numbers are so far out of whack if we look at mileage. So for you, I'm actually going to recommend, you can use mileage when you're comparing your own business and making improvements. But I also want you to focus on that next column over to the right, which is the percentage of revenue. And that's really what I use in my business because mileage doesn't make any sense in my business. So I use percentage of revenue. So if we look at, um, let's look at something like uh, maintenance for you. If we were to look at the maintenance cost per mile, you're at 76 cents a mile. That's insane. You know, I tell people if they're at 18, it's too high. We have to do something. But again, we can't use mileages for you. But if we look at the percentage of revenue, now we can see that you spend about, almost 11 cents out of every dollar you earn goes towards maintenance. So for every dollar you're able to generate in revenue, almost 11 cents of that goes to maintenance. Does that make sense? It does. And that's going to be a better number for you because your mileages are just very skewed because of what you do. So what we would do is say, okay, maintenance is at 11 cents. It's actually at 10.6. We'll call it 11. And a good goal would be to improve that by 10% in 30 days. Well, that, that's roughly a penny a mile. So we would just like to look at some maintenance things. What could we do a little different and see if we can get that down to 10? Or maybe you might even want to improve it 20% in three months and, and get down to 8 cents or 8%. Of revenue. And the same thing at fuel. Um, your fuel cost is really, really low. Uh, it, it's at about six and a half percent of your revenue. Honestly, I don't even know that I would spend any time on it. Um, it it's already low compared to your revenue. You, you could certainly spend time on it, but I wouldn't put a lot of time into it. Um, and then we can look down at the bottom line and we can see that you are keeping $4 a mile. Well, that's even hard to get my head around because it, it's not the norm in this industry. So instead, I look at your percentage of revenue and you're able to keep 58% of everything you generate. That means for every dollar of revenue you generate, you get to keep 58 cents of it. That is outstanding. But my goal for most owner operators is 50% and many of them never get there and you're at 58. So you're doing outstanding. Then the other way we can look at your numbers is just in pure dollars. You know, you only drove 3000 miles in January, but you generated um, $23,000 in revenue in a month. 
I mean, that means we can project out for the year. You're probably going to do somewhere between 275 and 300. You're keeping over $13,000 of it after expenses. So, you know, you could do 150,000 this year in profit. That's pretty darn hard to beat one truck. Well, that's, well, that's what I've been telling you for years, you know, is I make money, but I just never, I just never sat down and analyzed it like this. <laughs> is it amazing when you can see black and white? Yes. I mean, this program is amazing. I mean, I preach it to everybody. I mean, how it's broken it down for me. It's just, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're doing a great job. I mean, the beauty of it, no matter how good a business is running, when we start looking at the numbers, we find ways to make it even better. So yes. this, you're doing a great job. The data entry looks good. Your numbers are all broken out really nice. Just keep doing what you're doing. Kevin, thank you very much. It's all, it's all, uh, it's all your guidance, believe it or not. Well, thank, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and I like the way you said that. Um, a lot of people say it as it, it was all you. Well, it certainly wasn't all me. It was my guidance that, that helped you. I get that. And I love that. Uh, but you did the work and you know that. Um, so that's why I like the way you phrase that. Uh, I, I love helping people, guiding them, pointing them in the right direction. But ultimately, I can't motivate anybody else. I, I, we can only motivate ourselves. Now, sometimes I can inspire people, maybe get them excited about something. And I hope I can. Uh, but ultimately, it, it comes up to you doing the work and you've done the work and you're seeing the reward. So congratulations. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Mark, welcome to the program. How's it going, Kevin? Going great. What can I help you with? I have oil in my coolant. My whole reservoir bottle is full of oil. That's not good. Are we positive it's oil and not fuel? Because it is oil, yeah. Okay. Um, oil cooler is the first place to look because that's the cheapest to fix. So has anybody inspected okay. the oil cooler yet? Uh, not yet. I just happened today, so I'm figuring out my game plan. Got it. Good. All right. Oil cooler first, because that is a, a common place we could have the cross-contamination, and it's the cheapest to fix. So we always want to check that one first. Uh, have you done any oil analysis? I know we're talking about coolant right now, but have you done any oil analysis? Yes, I did. Uh, I just set it off right before this happened, and I'm waiting for the results to come back. Okay, because we want to see if we're getting the contamination in both directions. We're getting oil in the coolant. Are we getting coolant in the oil? Because that would help narrow down where we need to look. Um, if it's not the what year is this engine? Oh, seven international. It's coming. I think. Okay, so we have an EGR uh, cooler and valve. So the EGR cooler uh, and the EGR system would be the second place to look after we eliminate the oil cooler. If it turns out to be the oil cooler, we're done. If it's not the oil cooler, uh, look at the EGR system next because that's the next easiest and, and least expensive place to fix. And if it's not there then it's likely going to be a head gasket or a head, which is more work, or worst case scenario could be a liner. Okay. And how much time do I got on this? Should I put some Lucas in it until I get it inspected? Or? 
Uh, see, we don't know because the Lucas is only going to matter if the coolant got into the oil and we don't know that yet. And, and if, until we know that, I don't want to do anything. Uh, yeah, just stay on top of your oil sample. Now, if it turns out there is coolant in there, then yes, get some Lucas into it to protect it till we figure this out. But you've got some time, uh, you know, and, and I can tell you're working on this and I want you to keep working on it, but this isn't something that usually leaves you broken down on the side of the road. This is something that just gets worse over time. Uh, I'm looking at the clock and, uh, well, you know what? I'm going to jump into a call and we'll carry it over if we need to. Let's go to uh, California. California. Bailey. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I had a quick question and, and, and a couple comments for you. Um, and uh, it's good to talk to you again. My, my question is, uh, you know, I, I listen to your show really religiously, but, uh, you know, there are obviously times where um, I can't because, you know, I'm spending time with the kiddo or the family or stuff like that. I have a question. Are you planning on taking, um, you know, the weekend shows and, and all of these shows to where they're totally available on demand? I noticed on the website that um, they're not always or the whole weekend shows aren't available. Yeah, there, there's two things. You know, we have our, our new podcast network where we're producing our own shows and we have total control over them. Those will always be available everywhere. Um, right. The Sirius XM shows, we have a contract that we have to abide by. And Sirius XM puts the weekday shows on demand, but not the weekend. Now, ah. we don't have any idea when they might change that um i'm gonna get to a break i'm gonna come back to you right around the corner so don't go away we'll finish talking about that we'll get to your comments as well i'm kevin rutherford we'll be right back Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment. I'm going to get right back to the phone calls. Let's go to, uh, I'm going to go back to California. Bailey, you still with me? I'm still with you. Um, so my comment actually has a lot to do with the, with the question that I asked. Um, you know, I, I heard on the weekend show and I've heard several times, um, you know, you say that people uh, say that you should get back to talking about trucks and, and, and just stick to that. And I'm going to tell you, um, I'm, I'm a ravenous fan of the show because you do things other than trucks. Um, it's, it's amazing for me to be able to listen to what other people in our tribe are doing, um, not only right, but more importantly, what people are doing wrong. And, you know, it's, it, you know, when I hear, when I hear, you know, uh, callers again and again and again, talk about these mistakes that they've made, you know, it, it teaches me, Hey, maybe I shouldn't do that. And, and then when I hear that they're doing it right, you know, that, that gives
gives more credit, you know, the knowing, knowing both sides of the equation definitely gives me, uh, more like, you know, uh, like better, you know, better information to make my own personal choices on. And, exactly. and, and I love that about this show. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, it's interesting, uh, one of the authors that I read a lot, I'm reading one of his books right now, one of his core philosophies is he just tries to double his failure rate all the time. He just tries and, to and failing more often because he says it's exactly. the only time. The, the only thing we learn from is failure. Yeah. Yeah. And so many and, of us are afraid of failure. Exactly. Uh, And and I actually will add one more thing. I usually I try to listen to your, um, you know, to your book suggestions right now. I'm doing a non uh, I'm doing a fiction book. But as soon as that's done, uh, I need a good if you have a good uh, a a good selection, um, you know, uh, like uh, I'm working on health goals right now. So if you've got something you can recommend for Audible, I I would definitely, uh, definitely take that suggestion. Actually, I do. And I'm also going to direct you to my Facebook page. Um, You know what I need to let me see if I can pin this one up to the top. Um, I posted a list. I do a a podcast. I don't we haven't really released many episodes of it yet called The Road Scholar. And the whole idea is it's just a book review. So we announce the book. I read it. You know, we make sure everybody knows about it when I'm done. Um. Brittany, who's on our team here, she does this killer outline and, you know, writes all everything about the book. And then we try to get the, the author on so we can do an interview. So what I did um, was I posted on my Facebook page, my book list for about the next uh, six months or so. So go get, and, and I broke it down into specific areas. Like I have the books about health and fitness. I have books about leadership. I have books about uh, relationship building. I have books about productivity. And this is the same list that I'm using to put together our trucking MBA program. So eventually we're going to have this program where you go through, you read these certain books in certain areas and, and you know, go through the process. We're going to create kind of this MBA program where, you know, we learn all about the different areas of business. So that's a great place. And I'll tell you my, my best recommendations on health and fitness, and that is the most difficult area to choose because there's so many thousands of opinions. Differing opinions, exactly. Oh, my God, it makes you insane. You know, you read one you know, in-depth research study that says meat will kill you. And then the very next one says, no, you should be eating mostly lean meat. And it's so confusing. So, and I've been deep that stuff all my life. And, and I've, I've tried all of those. I I don't believe in diets. Let's just start Mm -hmm. there. So whether it's Adkins, paleo, uh, grapefruit, uh, the, the thousands of diets that have come along. The problem for me with diets is every diet is restrictive. That's the whole point of it. You know, you look at a paleo diet and really what they're telling you is all the things you shouldn't eat. I don't oh, think we don't respond well as, as people, you know, when, when you give us a list of things that we can't, and, and you say, you can't do these things, but go do, oh. go do these other things. We focus as people. I mean, automatically our brains focus on what you're telling us we can't do. 
No, the minute you tell me I can't eat pasta, guess what I'm craving? A giant bowl of <laughs> Exactly. I mean, so the after looking at all these systems, the, the best system that I've tried over the years, and because it was very common sense, it doesn't tell you not to eat anything at all. You eat it, eat whatever you want. But the focus is on portion control and balance. So each meal should be a little bit of lean protein, a little bit of whole grains and vegetables. And, you know, kind of almost in equal portions is fine. And eat whatever you want. Um, And and it also gives you a cheat day. One day out of seven where you eat anything at all. I mean, eat ice cream sodas, eat banana splits, eat three pizzas. No limits on what you can do on that day. What's kind of funny is you look forward to that day and then it comes and you can't eat anywhere near what you think you're going no, to. No, that, that is true. But it, but that it's kind of fun yeah. because you, you get to do whatever you want. So uh, it, it's uh, Body for Life was the program. It's Bill Phillips and he's got a new book out. Well, I don't know how new it is, but it's newer than his first book, Body for Life. It's called Transformation. Um, I've actually read the first book and and uh, watched a bunch of his videos and and they're they're really they're really good. Yeah, I I you know his his take on training, you know, his interval training, not getting stuck in a rut. Like I know people who can run marathons and they're still overweight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I have one one other comment on Fairtax if you don't mind. Um so I I, w- I did my undergraduate in, in in Georgia, where John Linder's from, uh, one of the authors of Fairtax. So I've been a uh, I, I've been a fan of uh, Fairtax since the early 2000s. And you know, just just a just a thought to leave you with. By um, and you know, I did a uh, informative speech on Fairtax, or sorry, persuasive speech on Fairtax in 2002. And at that time, I was able to tell you that when the 10, when, when when the 16th Amendment was passed, and and it, Income tax became the law of the land. Uh, the 1040 was was one page for most people. Two, if you owned a business and paid other employees, that's it was two pieces of paper. By by 2002, it was it was a stack of paper, literally eight you know eight and a half by eleven page, you know pages, thirty two right. feet tall. I and know. and with and and today you know that that is almost doubled because of you know affordable the the affordable health care act and 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 other um you know just like the the bloat that happens so yeah now that's that's fantastic and and you know i i wasn't the and i i remember looking at the original 1040 and it i think it one of them doesn't even fill a whole page but basically it, it was a flat tax system. You filled out the form, you paid 1%. I mean, you, you that did. would be way better than what we have now. But the beauty of the fair tax over a flat tax, uh, and people get the two confused all the time, is that the, the flat tax does not eliminate the IRS, doesn't eliminate Social Security and withholding at the employer level. And all those are things we should just get rid of. And the fair tax oh, gets I rid agree. of all. Yeah. And, and- you know, and, and I heard you make a comment once uh, when, we, when you were talking about the fair tax, and, and this would apply to me as well. If the fair tax went into place, I would pay more taxes, but I would be okay with that just in the yeah. knowledge that because I'm getting taxed on what my spending habits are as opposed to what my earning potential is. Right. And, and the difference for me is I, I like making a lot of money, and it's not 
the money itself. I mean, at a certain point, you get to where you're fairly comfortable, so you're not worrying about money all the time. And after that, more money doesn't make you any happier. So I, that, I don't have... True. I don't have any giant dreams to be worth, you know, $25 million. I, I, you know, above average, clearly, and comfortable, and I have enough money to do what I want. But some people, it's never enough. For me, I've gotten to a point where, for the most part, it's enough, and I I just want to increase it a little bit every year and focus on things that are more important. But but what I like about the fair tax is, is if I decide I want to have a really good year and generate a bunch of income, I can do that without being penalized for it. And I can Correct. control my tax through my spending. And, and right. as and time goes on, the odds are right now, I've done the numbers right now, I would pay more under a fair tax. But I've also looked out about five years from now and I would start paying less. At a certain point, I would continue to make money, but I, I, my, my spending will probably cut back at some point and, and I'll end up paying less. That is, uh, and you know, the, you know, it, and I, I'm totally a fan of, of, of the, we should be, we should be taxed on the way we spend. I mean, that's, you know, it, it, it's what, you know, the original tariff system was based on and, you know, it, um, you know, I, I would say, and I've told you this before. I, I did economics and finance for for, for my degrees, and the uh, you know the 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 progressive you know income tax system. It was just the worst thing that ever happened to this country. Yeah, I but, couldn't agree more. And having a finance background in economics is so good in business. Really, I think it's the best background to have. Great stuff. Great call. Good talking to you. I've got to get out of here. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you back here next time. Be safe, be profitable, do the hard work, and master the journey. Good night, everyone. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Thanks for tuning in to the Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.